For those who don't know my story, when I was 12 years old, I was diagnosed with Tourette's and I was on medication for almost 10 years. When I was 21, I learned something called The Secret and I came off the medication overnight against everyone telling me to stay on it and I had a spiritual awakening. I meditated for three weeks straight and my Tourette's disappeared and I created the podcast to simply preach about everything that most people have in their head but no one ever speaks about, which is what the twitching was. It was too many thoughts inside my head and now I have a platform where I can speak to to people and they can get out what's in their head. So if I could ask a massive favour from all my listeners, upon looking at my stats recently, it has occurred that out of a very humbling 730,000 downloads since I created the podcast back in 2019, that only 10% of you that listen have actually followed and subscribed to the podcast. If I could ask a massive favour from you all that listen, if you wouldn't mind just hitting that follow and subscribe button, It would mean more than you can imagine and it really does help the show grow and help reach more people in more ways than you and I can even imagine. The bigger the podcast gets, the bigger the guests get. And my aim is to grow the show big enough that I can reach out to amazing people like Russell Brand, Joe Dispenza, Lewis Howes, Grant Cardone, Joe Rogan and have deep, intimate and vulnerable one-to-one conversations with them. I want to speak to the human side of people to show we're all the same when you get to the core regardless of how much money or fame you have. Right, I'm going to be doing a podcast with Chris. Any minute now, he will be joining. Any minute now, he will be joining. Any minute now, he will be joining. Okay. No, that's not Chris. Anyway, now, Chris will be joining. Ain't no money without pressure, baby. Right, don't know where Chris is. Chris, are you awesome? Right, got it. Chris McCann, ready. Right, any minute now, Chris. Mm. Right, can you hear me? Yes, can you hear me? I can, loud and clear. Fantastic. Right, so what's on your mind at this moment in time in terms of AI and how it will affect human consciousness? (laughs) <laughs> it wow that's really that's a really interesting question um i use it as, as an example my wife has gone all week oliver and i wanted to do some meal planning based on my dietary restrictions like well let me ask chat gpt um, so i asked for 
a meal plan with recipes where my allergies were excluded. And within 30 seconds, it planned out the next two weeks for me. How does it expand consciousness? Uh, you can ask it questions. And it does pull together some best practices. I, because I'm a sales leader, and we had a significant deal that pushed end of quarter, which was um, end of April. I was like, wow, what did I not think of? And so I asked ChatGPT, here's the situation. We had a deal push. What did I miss? And it came back with two or three ideas, uh, two of which we had done. Um, the third, I hadn't. I haven't used it by way of trying to expand consciousness. What I did use it for as it relates to spirituality was aggregating information on Sufism. And in reading some of that and summarizing, you know, some of these ancient techniques and technologies, that reading has, one, prevented me from having to read significant texts, find things that are of interest to me. Uh, the ones that are of interest to me, I include and I read, the exclude. And that's where I am with it so far. I don't believe, certainly not in the next couple of years, that it's going to turn into a sentient being because it does require human information. Uh, but I do believe that it will help us solve for genetic questions and or improving our technologies and um, building spaceships or rockets or satellites um, or trying to land something else on the moon or different planets, and it'll get us there faster. Now, we've seen historically with technology, um, there's a, a really interesting show, um, I think it's Tomorrowland on Apple+. Plus. And the premise is that all of this technology is going to make their life easier, but the human condition, as you know, is still one of wanting to fill a vacuum, and it will lead to additional stressors. And it could be by way of data being shared amongst government or private companies. I don't pretend to fully understand or know that that's what's possible, but I don't believe from a consciousness perspective that it's going to expand it. What are your thoughts? The, all of the, Yes, all of this is about humans losing track of what it was to be a human day 400 yeah. years ago. Everything yeah. around is taken over and we're working for the thing around us rather than working for the thing within us and obviously a major part of human survival is money and these days you're either you know a corporate bitch working with somebody else or you're working for yourself and it comes with equal stress you're just the head of the train that everyone's relying on you get more money but you're the head so there's more stress so my question is in life is it more important to be poor meaning you have nothing material, but you're so happy, a little monk on the rock, just eating a berry, looking at a bird, looking at a plant grow, or having money and being rich and unhappy because in life, there's so much pressure now to, to live a materialistic life and it's getting more and more and more expensive and we're losing track of, of ourselves and happiness and being in harmony with ourselves. We're depriving sleep, eating shit food, not drinking enough, not shagging. We're not connecting with people anymore we're going down a dark hole and so is it time to turn back and go back to the basics 
um, of simply just being poor and happy, like you could say uh, a monk just in the middle of a forest right now. Yeah, I don't know that poor is the right word, but if we look at it from an appropriation perspective or from one of self-importance, I've walked, have you been to India? Have you spent time there? No, it's not, I do definitely want to go that day for sure. You know, and um, I, I've only been to India once and it was only to Mumbai. And walking around, it's really easy for an American or a colonialist or a European to, one, want to help save those folks, um, to say, wow, I mean, to be that poor and that destitute from our perspective must be miserable and I want to lift them up. Yet, I found that they were some of the happiest people. Now, is that because of the caste system and Hinduism? It is, you know, I, I believe the, the Muslim percentage of the population is closer to 40, if not 50% at this point. The richness that they have is in knowing themselves and leading a life of self-inquiry and being content with our lot in lives. It's not easy, uh, but being open to that possibility is probably the richest experience that one could have. Um, I've had money and have had all the things and the human condition is more and more and more better, 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 faster, faster, faster from where I sit. And none of that made me happy. What has made me happy is realizing that I don't know shit um, and trying to keep my side of the street clean and living life. Yeah, what Verling is that more and more and more rich people, entrepreneurs, business people, whether it's Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, whoever you find, they'll all say the same thing, right? They make their millions and nothing changes. The only thing that changes is it's a bigger house, more bigger car, whatever, right? But really, their daily chores, how many times they shit a day, the time they wake up, how many books they read, you know, whether they go on a dog walk or not, whether they go to the gym, none of that changes. Uh, what they eat doesn't change, you know, what they drink doesn't change. The only thing that changing is, is the pressure to maintain this massive lifestyle or whether yeah. or not you choose to expand it or reduce it. But these people don't change. I was looking at um, uh, uh, Microsoft guy, um, whatever he's called, Bill Gates, right, on Netflix. You know, you see him going to this little woods, like not even a woods, it's like this little like shed in the middle of alaska right and he's uh he's in there and he's writing for two weeks or he's trying to plan how to create self-sustainable toilets to put in africa where the sun will charge it and it will basically run itself without electricity and he was there for two weeks in this shed and i'm thinking this fuck is one of the richest people on the planet and yet he's in a shed by himself in, in his own head trying to get out in his own head which is to find a toilet that's able to run itself i'm like is that a nice life to live. He could be on holiday, he could be out for dinner with friends, he could be on a nice walk, but instead he's trying to work out how to make this a, a reality. And I know from being an excessive thinker, trying to work <laughs> out an equation and of answers for is tiring, it is draining. And mm -hmm. and you know, it's three in the morning, you're still trying to work out this thing in your head and it's stressful and it can't be good for the body. It isn't good for the body. So I'm thinking, everyone's chasing money, He's got the most money on the planet. 
and yet he's living a life no different to any one of us. So really, what is this chase for money all about? If every rich person says the same thing, it's not about money, it's what you do with it. No judgment, right? The I believe that he and others have... I don't want to use the word purpose. I feel like that's overused and it's singular and self-important. But when one begins to uncover their vocation and is able to include or integrate that with their occupation, that's where the magic happens. It was, um, oh dear God, I, I can't remember the name. Uh, but he was a a bishop, yeah, St. Augustine, sorry. And, you know, St. Augustine, much like Siddhartha, um, had the opportunity to live life. And they were, he was shagging. He was um, a wonderful student. He didn't come from means, but he did find a sponsor in Greece. And his mother was a devout Christian. He tried every other religion and ended up coming back to Christianity in his 40s. His statement was that his occupation was a bishop. That was his job. His vocation was that of a Christian. And Christianity in the truest sense, not what we're experiencing here in the States, where it was inclusive and it was empathetic and it was forgiving and it was humble. And he had really clear perspective on what it is that he was here for. And so I suspect that Gates, um, Steve Jobs, had the alignment of vocation and occupation. Yeah, I think that, you're in that's... the same I think you're in the same situation, Oliver. Yeah, it's, it's very true because when I think about how you know, Elon, say, richest man on the planet, whatever, he's running five businesses. He's getting up, back to work. He's sleeping. He's getting up, back to work, sleeping. He's got the pressure of politics, governments, people on Twitter just taking down. Then he's got his own family problems. His son um, doesn't speak to him anymore before every reason. And I'm like, this one man has to, he's got so much weight on his shoulders. And if he decides to just pack it in, his businesses go down, his share prices go down, his way of life changes. And I'm thinking, who would actually want that much pressure? Um, and, you know, from being that, having that mindset myself, I realised that, like Steve or Elon or Bill, you get something in your head at a really early stage and all you can do is just get it out. And if you're lucky enough where it can monetize into a major corporation where other people run it, then you can kind of switch your brain off. But some people, they just have the internal dialogue of idea after idea, and it doesn't go anywhere. And, you know, that's just, that that's another situation. But for me, I started the podcast because I love talking, and I love talking. So whether or not I make money is besides the point. So my vocation is my occupation. So it's something I have to question myself every day. Is this money I'm making worth the stress? Mm -hmm. If the answer is no, I wind it back. If the answer is yes, well, it's not money. It's my uh, my vocation, and it happens to be my occupation. There was an interview that I watched um, recently. I mean, as recently as last week, uh, where Elon was on television with Bill Maher, and I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. 
but he, Bill Maher, is, he leans left here in the States, but he's very much a pragmatist. And he brings on folks to the television show, uh, Real Time with Bill Maher, with disparate points of view. Uh, but he was interviewing Elon Musk for the first 10 to 15 minutes of the show. And what struck me about that interview was, you know, he asked, he said, well, you know, Elon, you had said that happiness is, you know, finding purpose around work. Are you happy? And, you know, Elon's response was, you know, I'm halfway there. And Bill Maher then stated, you know, how do you handle this with your wife and with your family? You start a business, then you go on site. You were moved to Austin with SpaceX. You moved to back to San Francisco when you acquired Twitter. And it's all consuming for him. So what point, the, the next question was, you know, does happiness involve your family life? He said, well, maybe halfway. He's like, okay, so you're halfway happy. And this comes back to being content. And that doesn't mean complacent. That doesn't mean where you're lazy and you accept your lot in life. It's finding value, being aligned with your own values. What's important to you? What contribution do you want to make, not just to society at large, but to yourself, where you have that alignment between vocation, occupation? Um, it was it was really fascinating. And when he asked him about happiness, I thought that that was the wrong question and coming back to contentment. And are you fulfilled? Are you content? And can you find joy in the little things in life? You know, waking up, maybe there's a hummingbird that flies in front of your face to your point around, you know, being around nature. There's, I've had the opportunity here in the States to spend time with uh, the Native American community over the last three to four years. The first time I was in the teepee participating in a peyote ceremony, you know, you, you're in there all night, you're praying, you're banging drums, you're sharing, you're staring into the fire and aligning with whatever's coming through for you. And I was there with my friend, Robin, who was a stunningly gorgeous human. You know, she's a stunningly beautiful uh, woman. You know, she's 5'10", blonde hair, blue eyes, um, just carries herself really, really well. And as the ceremony comes to completion, the water woman comes in, brings water, and then they bring the food. And you sit around and you talk. So everybody comes in, families, spouses, and sits around the fire. And, you know, Robin had stood up. And she asked the question, you know, the way that we as Europeans or colonialists um, just decimated your um, ethnicity, what can we do to help, right? You know, I, I certainly feel bad about the atrocities that we had impacted on your, your nations. And this woman sat there and she's like, mm -mm 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 -mm. don't get so self-important while the Vikings were, you know, participating in conquests when, you know, Attila the Hun was, you know, going all throughout Europe and Asia and taking that over um, with the, um, with the, you know, Celts and the Gauls fighting and, you know, the Anglo-Saxons. While you were doing that, we had a 6,000 year head start in burying these ways, our teachings, our way of life into the soil, into the plants, into the consciousness of Mother Earth. 
and now it's back. So don't feel so self-important. Don't get so self-referential. Um, there's an opportunity for us between East and West. There's an opportunity for us between indigenous and colonialist cultures to marry our commune and the way that we communicate and live with nature. Everything is done with intention. They wake up in the morning, they pray, they give thanks. When we're building the teepee, you align it with where the sun's coming up the next morning. So as grandmother's skirt opens up, the sun's coming through. Every little aspect of the way that they carry themselves is far more aligned with how we should live our lives. It worked for 60,000 years. Now, is there a way for us to come back to the chat G 